Thank you for tuning in to the Life of KG podcast. We are all about helping you guys in the beauty industry. Whether you're starting out in this industry or been in the business for years, we want to motivate you, educate you, and support you to grow. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to A Life of KG. Guys, I am so excited for you to listen to this interview today. I was in awe of Helen Ward. Now, Helen Ward is part of the National Hair and Beauty Federation, but she has the largest independent salon in the UK, which is based in London. She employs over 100 staff members. How crazy is that? And I really wanted to get to know Helen more to find out more about her, see her views on certain things. And it was just so interesting. Honestly, I just could have easily have gone another hour or two or three. So without further ado, here she is. Helen, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Oh, you're welcome. Lovely to talk to you. Yeah, and you. I've been really, really excited. We've had this a little while ago, didn't we? And I've been like, oh, I've read your last article. Can't remember in what magazine it was. And I thought, oh, she's going to be perfect on the podcast. <laughs> oh, yes. My professional beauty monthly rant. I've been doing that for 12 years now, would you believe? Actually, I've still got you know, something to say every month. <laughs> I think that's why I've been so excited to talk to you, because when I started my salon, which was 12 years ago, I've always read, obviously, professional beauty. So I've read your column every single month. So yeah. it's amazing isn't it, the people you can remember through the magazines. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a really good chance, actually, to rant about stuff, um, you know, that as it sort of hits you at grassroots. Because I think if you're if you're when you work at grassroots, you know, and you're there in the salon on the salon floor every day, you know, you see and understand things in a completely unique way. So that's why I think it's. It's, you know, the feedback I get, I love it, you know, and they, you know, I often get told, write about this next month, write about that, have you ever thought about that, and this is driving us mad, and that's it, that, that's that's how I get my inspiration for it. Definitely, and you never run out of things to say, I'm guessing, do you? Never, <laughs> no. <laughs> I love that. So for obviously those that are listening that maybe haven't read your columns and articles, can you just give us an introduction? Yes, so um, my real name is Dame Doom. No, that's not true. You had me there. What everybody calls me. Um, so, uh, Helen Ward, I've been in the industry since I was, uh, oh my God, I'm 16 or 54 now. So, there you go. Long, long time. My mum was a hairdresser. Um, <clears throat> so, I've sort of been at it, um, grassroots, shampooing hair, sweeping her floor. When I was like 10, 11 years old, um, <clears throat> I now run um, one of the largest hair and beauty salons in the UK, um, Richard Ward Hair and Metro Spa, which is in Sloan Square in Chelsea. We have 100 staff. Wow. Um, yes, keeps hard. me busy, keeps me busy, keeps me busy. Well, pre-COVID, we've been known to be doing 1,200 clients a week. Uh, we're not back up to that yet, obviously, with the restrictions and everything. And obviously, the way the customer behaviour has completely changed, which I don't know if we have time to touch on that today. That's a whole other podcast in itself, isn't it? Um, so, yeah, it's a big it's a big brand. And um, but before so we've had we started it 28 years ago, me and my husband, Richard. Um, before that, I was working for a chain um, 
that was in uh, had hair and beauty in all the department stores. So I worked all over the UK and I really did sort of learn probably the math side of things, you know, um, how to deal with stuff, a lot about HR, a lot about PR, that type of thing before I started my own company. Wow, that's incredible. A hundred stars, oh my God. I know. <laughs> Why do you think I'm so grey, Katie? <laughs> honestly I do not even just thinking about that I'm like well I think we've got 20 something staff all together and that's been plenty enough for me plenty enough honestly why do you think I stopped at two children because I've got a hundred other children (laughs) you do feel so sort of maternal about them all and um you know you're a team aren't you and we work together we spend so much time together and a lot of our staff have been with us you know 25 years 20 years 28 years we're all like a family but families fall out right your brother and your sister you know you all fall out from time to time but you love each other to bits underneath yeah that's a really really good way of looking at it actually definitely so what made you go to opening your salon what was your background to hair and beauty well, yeah, I mean, I, I sort of, um, I was sort of really bright at school, but really rubbish at exams. I was one of those people, my son's exactly the same, that are bright in all the wrong ways, you know, um, like got ungraded in maths, but can tell you what 20% is off a pair of shoes like that. Um, so it wasn't really for me. And also my parents were up and financially things were really difficult for me. So we, I had to leave school. I didn't stay on to the sixth form, didn't do uni, didn't have any of that. Um, and started working, uh, did a YTS traineeship in the local department store where I worked and literally worked my way up. So I was running that salon after three years because I was a good hairdresser in terms of I had a brilliant clientele, but I was a rubbish hairdresser because I wasn't interested in the artistic side of things. Beauty appealed to me a lot. So I sort of learned, I, I learned so much from that experience, but I realised that I was not, you know, I shouldn't really be on the, on the shop floor. I had the gift of the gab. That's how I got my customers back, not through any potential skill or anything like that. So I worked my way up and uh, just really, really learned the business inside out. And I just think there's no substitute for that. And I think it helps me so much now, even in my day-to-day job, because, you know, I've been a junior, I've answered the phone. Mm. I've unpacked the stock I know all the tricks um you know I know all the all the excuses um because I've been there and I never really wanted my own business um but I was running these I was a regional director of this chain so I was was only 23 and I had 24 salons on my on my patch came back to London uh, worked in Knightsbridge um, worked for Mr Al-Fayed in Harrods Hair and Beauty Salon ran that I was the youngest person ever to run that. I had 140 staff there. I was 24. Wow. And then met Richard and went into this other salon um, where it was just a different sort of hairdressing. You know, it was good hairdressing. It was the, the guys were all dressed in jeans. It was all cool. And then we got a chance to buy it because it had gone into bankruptcy. Um, so we bought it from the receivers. We paid 50 grand for it in 1992 that was a lot of money um and we literally had to build it back up again from nothing so you know we mopped the floor ourselves we didn't pay ourselves for the first six months we had sleepless nights but I knew that if I could apply 
all the financial stuff that I'd learned, what the right percentages were and all of that, if I could just get through that first three or four months, once those, those things had all kicked in, I knew we could make it work. And we turned it around very slowly. I think we moved into profit after about four years. Wow. At least we were paying ourselves and, you know, um, and here we are 28 years later and my husband's, you know, celebrity hairdresser and hairdresser to the future Queen of England and amazing, amazing story, but, but built on literally, you know, working our way up from nothing. Yeah, I love that. Literally from nothing. And you said before that, that you never wanted a business. <laughs> no, you know, I really didn't because I had this lovely company car and I'd go from my salons to salons. I had a mobile phone, so the size of a bloody brick back in the day. And, you know, I would go from salon to salon and think, oh, I don't know, who would want to have their own business? This is great. I can, I can, it feels like having my own business, but I don't have the sleepless nights and da, da, da. And when I met Richard, he was absolutely determined that we should do something. He's very ambitious. And um, then we had the chance to buy this bankrupt salon and it just seemed crazy not to take the chance. And I actually think when you're, you know, if I, if we'd have maybe been 10 years on and had a mortgage or owned a house or something at that stage, we probably wouldn't have done it. But when you're young like that, you've got nothing to lose, really. And we just thought we've got nothing to lose, really. Apart from my dad lent me the money, so I'd have lost my dad's money. But uh, Richard had his half of the money saved up because um, he was going to buy a flat with it. So um, we had nothing to lose and everything to gain. And we just knew we could do something. You know, his skill, together with my brains and the stuff I'd learned, I don't saying I've got brains, but the brains of what I'd learned, um, we knew that we could do something quite successful and now we're well the second largest home independent hair and beauty salon in the country wow that's incredible so from actually the largest because we do beauty and daniel galvin's larger than us but they don't do beauty so there you go we are the largest we go. always have this <laughs> argument <laughs> so if i'm not wanting to open a business and then opening the largest beauty salon a hair and beauty salon so then having many more companies after that, because you've also got Chelsea London and Tangle Angel, is that right? That's absolutely right. So I think we wanted to diversify and because um, we didn't want to franchise and open more salons, partly because I'd spent my whole life like running up and down the M6 or the M40 or whatever it was. You know, you just get one salon right and then then you get a phone call and have to go back. So I never, I, I loved being in one big space where I could, implement a change and then make sure it was all done and dusted in one go um so we never really wanted to open any more salons or franchise or do anything like that so when we had the chance to do a range of a wet range for waitrose we took that so we created um richie ward richard ward chelsea london but we've now rebranded that to richard ward salon professional that just launched this week so part of my life is running into waitrose and looking at the shelves at the moment um so that was fun and then we started tangle angel in 2011 which is our detangling brush and richard really work, runs that company and i think we split the roles up now so that you know i run the shop and the wet range and he runs the brush company tangle angel and that sells in 40 countries and it's actually not very big in the UK but actually in South Korea it's massive he's famous in South Korea which makes me laugh so much he gets off a plane and he's got people wanting his autographs which is hilarious <laughs> <laughs> it's 
Richard, Richard. <laughs> Richard, yeah. Oh, my God. And in China, massive in China, which wow. is very strange. Mm. Isn't that funny? So yeah. that, how is your time managed? Because obviously you're a businesswoman, you're highly successful, you have a family, you have children. Yes. Everyone my children have grown up now, which is good, but they never seem to leave home they're like boomerangs they keep coming back um I know you think you've got rid of them and they're back again um so I'm I'm quite compartmentalized my time. I'm quite good with my time like when they were younger I decided that you know it was only really going to work if I worked part-time and on the days that I wasn't in the business I wouldn't look at my emails I wouldn't look at my phone I wouldn't have anything to do with work and on the days that I was um, you know, I was a school mum and I was bake sales and all the rest of it. And on the days I was here, I wouldn't get involved with the school or the PTAs or anything. And you have to be so strict with yourself to do that. But I think that's probably the only way you can do it and stay sane. But can you do it all? I don't think you can do it all. You can just have a bloody good go at it. Yeah, definitely. What, what would you, what's your day to day then? What does life look like for you when you are working? Well, so I work on my consultancy and other things like my, I write books and stuff like that. I do that on a Monday. I'm very compartmentalised my time. Tuesday, I'm in the office. Thursday and Friday, I'm in the office. Saturday is, you know, picking the children up from college or whatever I'm doing. Wednesday, I go down and look after my mum for the day. Um, So I'm really sort of, you know, strict about having a day like that with her. Um, and I think probably post COVID, I'm I've, I'm actually I'm a lot slower to get going in the mornings. I've decided, you know, I want to do my yoga, and that takes half an hour. And I want to do my, you know, you know, walk to work because I like my walk to work from where I live. It's like forty minute walk, and I can, you know, listen to some music and get into, you know, do have some time to think. Yeah. So I think I work in a different way probably post-COVID and I'm very strict about that you know people say oh I'll come see you for a breakfast meeting and no don't do breakfast meetings in the office from 11 that's it you know and I've I've become quite strict about that. Is your office in the salon or do you have it set? Yes in the salon because for me I want to be here I want to be where all the banter is and where the action is and I can see what's going on at the window and I'm here wigging their conversations and I'm checking that they're doing this and checking that they're doing that so I could never work from home and I would be rubbish working from home I mean I'm a Gemini I'm I'm too I'm too all over the place I'd I'd go and do the laundry and then forget that I was supposed to be at work you know I'd be hopeless (laughs) I'm really good at working from home as you can see I'm at home now I'm really good I've stepped out of my salon and don't do treatment or anything anymore but I can not then be there because then I'm just like oh I just want to take over I just want to get back involved yeah. again so I'm best just to be out and let them get on but I don't have I a you staff, so I, maybe that's why <laughs> well I bet you my team would love it if I was doing that as well and yeah. I wasn't here but you know the thing is I think the, the salon floor I think in beauty it's probably different in hair because the treatment rooms are shut and the doors are shut yeah. aren't they but in the hair world I think you know you do pick up so much and what customers are saying and I just like to sometimes hang around the salon just to make myself know because the other thing if you're only working part-time I don't want the staff to think that I'm never there so I like to walk around the salons you know say hi to the clients you know 
occasionally so I like to be part of that and and also we have a fully licensed bar in the salon so um that's very handy for like watching football and everything and uh, you know we all that's our chance to all get together yeah especially when you're a bit stressed with everyone you just go and pour yourself a glass of wine pour myself a drink exactly big gin and tonic what time is it is it gin o'clock yeah yeah somewhere in the world it's always gin o'clock that's my say oh I love that well what's been your hardest part of business so far because we both know business isn't easy what has been no, I, th- I think it's really difficult. And I think there's two massive turning points for me. When we built up, we built up quite quickly. And 2006 was a really massive year. I mean, we were in our old salon, not in this location. And we only had about three and a half thousand square feet there. We've got five thousand here. And it was boom year. So it was like the boom time year of the hairdressing industry really was. And yeah, we had clients sat on the stairs having their foils in because we didn't have enough seats, you know, amazing. But with that, I think we also had a bit of a cull. There was a there was a, a person that was that worked for us, and when they left, I felt an enormous sense of relief. And I realized that that person had been making me feel very uncomfortable in my own salon for a long time. And I'd normalised that red flag because red flags are only uh, red flag, uh, aren't red flags anymore when you normalise them. Mm. And so that person left and I realised there was three or four others that were really disruptive. And I realised then it's better to have a smaller, cohesive team with the right mindset than chase them, chase the cash and think, well, that person's busy, so I've got to tolerate them. And then you tolerate behavior that you don't want to tolerate and it makes you miserable. And then it gets to the stage where you feel uncomfortable walking through your own salon. And your salon should feel like your lounge or your bedroom. You should feel that comfortable. And if ever I'm not feeling comfortable in my salon, it's because there's somebody in the team that isn't, hasn't quite gelled correctly. And now I've learned that instead of accepting feeling uncomfortable, I've got to drill down into what is making me not feel right. Because if it's making me not feel right, the other staff won't be feeling right and the customers won't be feeling right and having the balls to go and do something about it. Mm. It's one thing that I hear quite a lot when I look after salon owners is that when when they do have you know, that bad egg in there or someone just doesn't fit in with that salon culture, how they do just feel so uncomfortable when it's such a horrible place to be in when you don't even feel right in your own place and you just want to quickly get back out absolutely and I think it's so easy to you know to put up with that well you shouldn't put up with that you shouldn't feel you know you spend a third of your life at work and you don't want to ever feel comfortable uncomfortable sorry and I think when you do do that and you make that um bold step afterwards it's so interesting because people then go oh yeah that person was causing you know there was such a negative influence on the team you go well why didn't anyone bloody tell me sooner but actually you really know in your heart anyway so that was a bit of a turning point for me and I realized I'd rather have 10 staff that want to be here than 110 staff that don't yeah would you say um managing teams and staff is one of the hardest things when it comes to the business I think it really is. And I mean, for us, you know, it's a labour intensive industry that we're in. And 
people are difficult and they need you know they need a lot of of nurturing and guidance and motivation but I have but also I think you can over nurture people Mm. and you can end up parenting them and that's not good either you know somebody I know recently is like was on the phone to me you know oh you know I feel I need to look after my teens and emotional well-being well you do but you have to make sure that the foundation of the business is employer employee Mm -hmm. and you're there them to make money you to make money that has to be the basis of everything alongside of that nurture encourage motivate but don't parent them because actually they don't want that either they want consistency they want targets they want goals they want motivation they don't want parenting and I think sometimes we can over nurture to the point where we actually make take away them being proactive because you know people need to feel that they have got to be proactive as well and they want to get there on their own terms so you you know you have to get that balance right don't you definitely a question for you actually on this subject I guess since coming back from COVID I know a lot of salon owners especially here have been finding it really difficult to recruit and everyone's yeah. to obviously go self-employed go on their own rent chairs or whatever they want to do um so salon owners find it really really hard to do this recruitment process and actually find people that want to work now have, have you found any of that have what, what's your kind of views on that I think we have to be very careful because our industry is in real danger of changing beyond all recognition forevermore unless we really make it um, beneficial to be an employer again. Mm. You know, I think we need to stop talking about the benefits of being self-employed because there are a lot of downsides to being self-employed like no maternity pay no paid vacation no job security can't get a mortgage etc etc um until you've got obviously the right years of accounts i think you know you'll know that i've done my sos campaign and i've been part of that co-founding that for the movement to get vat reduced um for the back vat paying salons because unless we get that we can't be 25 percent down as a sector and still be paying 20% VAT and still have the expense of employing huge swathes of teams. I mean, our, we are so labour intensive as a cost. It's obviously such a, such a cost for us. Um, so recruitment, I think we need to start as an industry. So to fo- focusing on what's good about being self-employed, let's re re uh, look at what's, what the strengths are to being an employee. I wrote this column about three months before covid hit and said you know we talk about self-employment let's talk about how brilliant it is to be an employee to have that job protection to be secure to get paid you know to to know that we can have time off work to know that we can have our kids and take time out and it's still we still get paid for it all of those are perks that you wouldn't get if you're self-employed so i do understand but i think we need to start talking about how good it is and what we have as a career and how fruitful it can be to be employed. I do think as well, we need to make sure we pay our people well enough. Mm. Because if we pay people the right percentage rates, I mean, I have pay structure where, you know, the more they work up through the ranks of my price tier, the more they earn. 
So I think if you do that, what's the incentive to go self-employed? It's just a risk. So we need to really reframe it. I yeah. think how we how we sell it to ourselves as well. Mm, I'm so passionate about this subject. That's why I just chucked it on you quickly. <laughs> yeah, no, chuck it up. Same. I am too. So you know, and it's it's you know it's such a fantastic career. I mean, where else would someone like me, who didn't do very well at school, create you know become self-made, create an industry, create a career where I employ hundreds and hundreds of start plus all the people that I've trained that aren't aren't with me anymore mm. I do think actually when you're training people I was talking to someone the other day we should get like a I'm a big football fan we should get a, a, an actual transfer fee you know like if you Ch Chelsea sells a player to Man United <laughs> you get a transfer fee great idea. we should have a transfer fee okay why not that is a great <laughs> idea I'm with you on that Helen <laughs> Yeah, um, self-employment and employment, completely different um, subject and a whole new podcast in itself for sure. Oh, got to be done, Katie. Got to be your next one. Definitely, definitely. So obviously you're a beauty ambassador for the National Hair and Beauty Federation. Yeah. Which I think a lot of people will most probably recognise you from. Do you hear, you must hear problems all of the time through being part of that. Do you or... Well, I actually probably hear more. Yes, I do. But also, I think because our industry, as you know, is unregulated, which is a massive issue, and I wish we were regulated correctly, um, the NHBF is the closest thing we have. And so I'm really proud, and I think they're brilliant. Um, what I'm, what I can't, I've got my ear to the ground a lot now because I'm on the government um, advisory thing called BASE, which is Business, Enterprise, Industry and Strategy. So now we have our own sector as personal care. Um, we, we have a base team that, you know, ask us what's going on. Um, and obviously we're feeding back all the time about the self-employment issue and what, how we, what we've got to do to stop it. And um, so, yeah, I, I think that being part of that is a really valuable thing. I think they're regretting asking me, if I'm going to be honest. I am known to be quite vocal. And of course, but it's very important that someone is on that who is, is actually a practitioner who's got a business, who's trying to make a business work because it's all very well having the, you know, all the brilliant people like Leslie from Babtat who brings so much to the table, but there also has to be someone, someone sitting there who's got the salon keys in their hand going, well, hold on a minute, you know, <laughs> this is what's happening at grassroots. And obviously they're there, all those um different uh like nhbf are on there as well but and they're representing their um everyone that you know is signed up with them but but there has to, i think i'm sitting there as a salon owner like this is what's happening out in the real world guys this is what's happening this is what clients are saying this is the feedback and i think particularly at the moment because the customer behavior looks like it has massively changed and that was always my concern after you know the the last lockdown and we don't know how that's ever going to change back again we don't know if people are going to carry on having their hair done in the garden you know and you know I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm so cross with the big industry names that breached lockdown and, you know, they're coming out of the bloody woodwork, left, right and centre, you know, clients saying, well, somebody came round from that salon and did my hair during lockdown. You know, that's 
really crap and we need to all stand together mm. and you know as because we're unregulated of course we don't have anyone overarching where we can all stand together yeah that's so it's a frustration yeah definitely with customer behavior is it the fact that you've seen that people are wanting more low maintenance of treatment now well yes absolutely you know what it's it's like a perfect storm of a tiny little bit of that and a tiny little bit of that and a tiny and you add it all together and it's 25 percent so it's people working from home people have moved when we're in central london people have moved they oh thanks yeah i love your son but now i live in you know cornwall so mm. i'm only ever going to come up three times a year now so it's that it's people definitely growing their hair out growing all their tint out you know having longer hair but balayage doesn't help you know because that grows out so not lovely um you know covid anxiety not wanting to come into london for us is massive also our tourists we had a fantastic tourist clientele that would come back every year without fail from america from europe all over the place they're not here you know it's a perfect storm of every tiny little thing coming together to create this massive sea change and you know thank god we've got our business rates um cut rebate reduction should i say um that will help tide us over the next year but you know you're still paying rent and 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 paying rent you know is expensive and if we don't get this fat cut we are pushing for this vat cut we're not giving up on this because if the business has changed that consistently then the maths doesn't work so yeah. if you want the maths to work and ask to employ all the youngsters that we employ and don't forget as a sector where we employ 89 percent females then you know it's going to change and it's never going to change back again and time now is really, really crucial to get this through. Yeah. So yeah. When is when will you hear more about that cut? Is that going to be an ongoing thing or? Well, um, we are on our own with this um, as SOS, which is Save Our Salons. If you want to join us, so we've got three thousand followers, three and a half thousand followers on Instagram, mm -hmm. um, to basically highlight this to to the government to say, you know, don't class us in with retail we are not retail we should not be paying the same VAT VAT is value and added tax you know you add it on to every part so you buy the leather you mm -hmm. sell it to the person to make the shoes you add VAT the person makes the shoes they sell it to the shop you add VAT the shop sells the shoes tell it sells it to the customer you add VAT what are we adding VAT how can we recoup any of the costs that we have because we're selling time we're not selling anything else. And yes, there are lots of other things that sell time, but not all of them need a shop. Mm -hmm. So we've, you know, we can't do what we do online. We can't cut hair online, can we? We can't wax right. legs online. So, so we, we need to be treated in a different way. And in Ireland, they have the split rate, which is what we're campaigning for. So they're paying 9% on services and 23% on any goods they sell. That's right. They can't recoup anything from a haircut. A tiny little bit of shampoo used at the backwash, a bit of hairspray, what else? Yeah. So we're not going to give up. We're on our own with it now, but we're not going to give up. We are absolutely not going to give up. We are, watch this space. We're starting to really ramp it up now. We know exactly what we have to do now, which we didn't before. And we will get it. We will, we will be asking anyone who's 
believes and supports our cause to join us and help us with it and we'll be telling them what they need to do very shortly oh well everything crossed i'm 110 percent back in that Celine. thank you so obviously you've got the most profitable independent salon what would be your free tips for salon owners to get to the point where you have over these years Wow, three big tips. I think really um, be very uh, sure about what you want to do. Now, it's very easy to be splurge gun and just think, I don't know what to do. So, oh, they're doing that. Okay, I'll do that then. I'll do this. I'll do that. I'll do this. And not be sniper. But only sniper gets the results. And I think that takes a while to have the confidence to go, I don't care what that salon's doing because that's not who my target customer is. Mm. My target customer is this and this is what they want. That's, and so really defining that is critical. And you can, as much as you can define it on the back of a beer mat before you start, ultimately that's going to shape and form and your brand is going to take shape and form as you go, as you trade, as you recruit, as you get your team. And then I think it's not being frightened to tell people your staff what good looks like you know so many people have in their head the frustrations of walking around the salon floor thinking oh my god can't they see that that light bulb is out or can't they see that those flowers need thrown away or can't they see that towel's ripped and should go in the bin well we need to be really clear that we're telling our team all the time this is what good looks like this is what I want from you and not to be frightened to pull people up on that because our staff are our brand what they do what they do day to day with the client is our brand that's all it is and I think it's all very well to have goals but I think allow your thinking to chop and change you know you've got to be adaptable um you know this pandemic has taught me that if I didn't have fluid thinking really fluid thinking of yeah that's where I want to go but the way I might go there will take some twists and turns um that you know sometimes you can be very very set in stone of your end goal but not willing to pick up the little bits on the way that's going to shape you and take you on the right path so that fluid thinking now has never been more important you know what do your clients want why aren't they coming back we rang around a load of clients the other day and said why haven't we seen you? And that's how we put together where we're 25% down on last year. And it's okay to be 25% down, but you've got to cut your cloth. You've got to make sure you're doing everything you can. And you've got to hear what your clients want from you. You know, if they tell you, I like that brand, I want that experience, do it, get it in. You don't need to spend, you know, fortunes on trying to research what they want. Just ask them. Yeah, definitely. Asking's key, isn't it? Definitely. Absolutely. Oh, Helen, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people connect with you? Oh, uh, through my website, which is www.helenward.com. Helen with two L's, because I am hell to deal with, as you know. (laughs) Um, And also SOS, uh, Save Our Salons, which is on Instagram. And I'm on Instagram with Helen Ward Limited, I think. Perfect, perfect. I could literally talk to you all day. I'm so fascinated. Oh, same. Well, let me do it again. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> you know, when you meet people that are so successful, been in the industry longer than you, and you just be like, I just want to know. I want to pick brains. I want to know, how did you get there? Where did you get to that point? I find it so fascinating talking to people. It's just 
yeah well thank you for doing the job you do because you connect us all together and that's really important thank you very much thank you well thanks for coming on the show really really appreciate it lovely to talk to you see you soon If you love this episode, please share and tag us on social media at KG Salon. I always follow them. I always follow them. If you're a salon owner and would like to join our membership program, coffee, cake, and chat, get in touch for a space. Be around a like-minded tribe. Have 400 pounds worth of mentoring a month and push yourself to the next level. I love being a part of such a great community. Until next time, have an amazing, successful week.